This is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio, episode number 178, I think, give or take. Does that sound good? Uh, we're, <laughs> we're talking about a few things today. What are you looking at me for? Give or take. Does give that take. sound Whatever. Do doesn't, we not doesn't know? even matter. Okay. Doesn't matter. All right. You're listening. That's a good thing. Doesn't matter how many. Welcome. Welcome. Um, so the two topics we're hoping to cover today is, go ahead, you say them, because I already forgot them. So the first topic is um, dealing with children in an internal way and an external way. And it's going to lend itself to talking about friendship with our kids. And I don't mean our kids' friendship with other people. I mean how we relate to our children as parents or as friends. And a lot of people get really freaked out when people say... Well, I'm, a, I'm friends with my kid, and I understand why you get freaked out. I think I used to get freaked Me out. Me too. I used to, and I'd be like, you could never be friends with your child. But Todd and I are going to kind of have a discussion around how to, maybe we won't even use the word friend, but how to read. Oh, we're using it. <laughs> how to understand why it's important to at least have some kind of flat hierarchy with your child so you are understanding them on a human level and on a loving level rather than a uh Dictatorial? Is that a word? Dictatorship? Dictate. Well, it's not dictatorship, but not dealing with them in a way where you constantly think you're above them. Sweetie, what if it's not a hierarchy? What if that, it's not? That was one of my slides in my men's group discussion last week. Yes. We didn't get to that one. Um, because you had like 83? We had, um, I think, uh, we got through half of them. Todd's like, we're going to talk about these things. And there's like 17 things. And when I do a women's circle, we talk about like one quote. For I two know. hours. So, but wait, one other thing we're going to talk about. We haven't about. even introduced the show yet, by oh, the way. Oh, go ahead. Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual, emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 6, 9, 11. Our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember our motto. You ready? Sure. I do remember Drum it, roll. too. The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Chew on that. So as you're chewing on that... Put that in your shorts and smoke it. Don't smoke. Smoking's bad for you. It's bad for your health. But the other um, thing we're going to discuss, if we have time, is uh, after the... um, the shooting at the university uh, last week or two weeks ago, a big uh, hashtag thing came out um, around not all men, which basically means it was hashtag not all men. And what that means is that not all men are like this guy. Not all men are misogynistic. Not all men believe this or that. And then a woman um, ended up doing a hashtag that said, yes, all women. And her point was maybe not all men are like this, but all women experience this misogynistic behavior at some point in their life, not all the time. And Todd and I wanted to have a discussion around that because it ended up being somewhat controversial and it, it divided people. Yep. And why do people think both can't be true? Yeah, I get confused by people saying it has to be one way or the other when both are true simultaneously. People like to choose sides, man. Well, they do. And I like when people like to explain their side. But when people say, you shouldn't do that You're or they shouldn't say that, I'm, right. I'm like, what, what, what's going on? So, yeah. But we're going to start with the internal externals with our kids. So let's go and start out with that. You want me to I, – you start. Okay. I'm going to start by saying this. I am finding that – a good way to explain, and, and I'll be for those of you who really like the words conscious parenting, or for those of you who like to be more self aware in your parenting, um, I am finding that the best way to explain how we can relate to our kids um, and maintain a connection and help them keep their sense of self is by dealing with them 
from an internal level first and from an external level second. What do I mean by that? When our kids have done something or they've made a mistake or they're asking a question or they're having a challenge, I always try and focus on with the girls, how can I talk to them first where they feel good about the fact that they came to me, second, that they feel a sense of confidence in the fact that we're having this conversation and what they have to say has value, And then after we have that discussion, I will go into, okay, here's the consequence of that behavior. Or if it's not, doesn't necessitate a consequence, let me give you some parenting, some old school parenting advice. And I don't say it that way, but I'll give you an example. Um, My, is that okay, Todd? Absolutely. I love examples. Examples are easier for me to understand. Well, my oldest daughter came to me and was telling me uh, about a situation that I'm not going to get deep into it, but she was very challenged by um, a person. And she was kind of telling me and kind of just using any words she could to like explain to me how this person was challenging her and talking, talking, talking. And so obviously some of the things she said were things like she, you know, she's this way or she's that way. Now, as a parent, a lot of times what we want to do and what Todd said, because I told him about the conversation later, he said, the first thing I would have probably said is turned around and say to her, now, how would you like it if she was saying these things about you? Or how would you like it? Right. We always kind of try to be protective over making sure our daughter isn't hurting somebody's feelings. Right. Yeah. And, and And the truth is, is that she wasn't even saying it to this person. She was just telling me her feelings. And so as she was sharing those feelings that can sometimes make you kind of as a parent go, whoa, you know. The first thing that I wanted to make sure she understood, and I didn't have to set it up like this, but is that I wanted her to know she was being heard. I just kind of nodded and said, wow, that sounds tough. And oh my goodness, that's a... That is that is bad when that happens. That doesn't feel good. I know that feeling. And then when she was done talking about this friend, I actually said to her, you know what? I have a friend similar to that. And and she was like, who, who, tell me. So I kind of shared with her some of my challenges. Wasn't me, was it? It wasn't you. Oh, that's good. And um, and then we kind of had that connection. Like, I understand the challenges you're having. And then once she had that sense of everything I said is okay, my mom still accepts me, my mom's not trying to judge me, or at least I'm hoping she had this feeling, I guess I can't speak for her. Right. The next thing I did is said, okay, now let's talk about this. One thing I would never do, even with the most challenging friend, is stop being their friend. Right. I said, I may choose to not spend as much time with that person or to be a little more thoughtful about how I, what I say to that person or what I share with them. But I, we have to understand, we have to be compassionate for their experience because the reason they're doing what they're doing is because of their own insecurity. They are doing that because they are in pain. So there's no need to make their lives more difficult. Right. So that was the parenting advice piece. But before I got there, I tried to spend a lot of time focusing on what you are saying has value it's human, it's normal, and I get it. Right. Now, here's my parenting. Well, and that was the best part about it was I think if I were handling that situation, I sometimes first react and I am overprotective over making sure my daughter is behaving correctly. So you jump to the external. I jump to the external. And what you did was basically just listen. And am I correct? Listen, validated and you know, it's, we say this on the show all the time, but this was a good experience to that. Listened, validated, and normalized. Because the normalizing piece was, I've had someone like that in my life. I'm going to write that down. Listen. Are you joking? No, I'm not oh, joking. Oh, because we talk about this all the time. No, but I want to make sure I put it on the show notes. Okay. Listen, listen validate, 
and, and normalize. And normalize. Mm-hmm. Um, because I always want to fix problems. I'm right. a problem fixer. Right. So I jump. I didn't get this opportunity because she went to you first. Mm-hmm. But I would, I mean, I don't know how I would react to it, but my guess is I would have said, how would you feel if if someone everybody, was talking about you this way? Right. right. And what you did because you were in a good place. Yes, it, that's a key thing. Is I, I was kind of relaxing, yeah. reading a book. I had the space, energy, mindset to be a good listener. Well, and that starts with self care. It does because yeah. if you're spent and you are coasting on fumes you're probably not going to have the understanding, the compassion to listen, validate, and normalize. It's such a good point, Todd, because like I could see myself in a situation like at breakfast or if we're trying to get out the door. <laughs> a little late. Sorry about that. But that was, that was a good point. Good job. Is that I could see myself in a situation like at breakfast or if we're trying to get somewhere in the car or, or if I'm in a hurry where I would have handled that differently, not because I believe there's a better way, but because I would have been rushed and not connected to what was happening. Right. And it just so happened that um, – that conversation was there was some some good timing all the way around, but I think that you know again self aware parenting or Zen parenting or conscious parenting it doesn't matter the language you use really it's just about being present. Awesome parenting uh, <laughs> is about when you are when your children are coming coming to you when you realize they're challenge it that they're having a challenge or that they need to talk to you that is a time to slow down. Mm-hmm. And become aware of what you are going to bring to that conversation. Are you going to try and solve it, fix it, get over it and say, okay, we're Mm -hmm. done? Or do you recognize that this is a moment not only about the issue that they're bringing to you, but it's about how you're building your relationship with your child? Are you building a relationship or are you trying to get through the day? Well, and maybe not even get through the day, but they're trying to fix things. And I don't know, me as a dad, I always want to make sure that I am you know, doing what I'm paid to do, which is be a dad and direct and, and educate okay. and inform. I get paid in love. Okay, good. Um, but I feel like I'm not doing my job if I sit there and listen. This is my, totally. you know, unconscious. Well, that's the old set of beliefs. Right. Is that's exactly what we're talking about with this paradigm shift is what we've been taught is we have to be in power. Yep. We have to show them that we have all the answers. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. We have to show them that what we say has more value than what they say. Mm-hmm. And all of that is very outdated. Mm-hmm. But our subconscious most likely because the way we were raised or what society tells us is that we should be doing it another way. And sometimes when I'm doing certain things that I know feel right, I still have this voice in my head saying, you should be more angry mm-hmm. or you should do this, you should do that. Or you should be judgmental or, you know, sometimes <clears throat> a parent, if you feel like your daughter or your son has been um, not treated well, all of a sudden you um, sympathize with your daughter and then all of a sudden um, lines are divided between you and whoever this between your daughter, you and your daughter on one side, and this person who did something to upset. And that's so unconscious. Totally. That's, right. I mean, talk about being unconscious is where but you start to. But sometimes parents will feel like, oh, I am in alignment. I'm supporting my kid if I do that. And I can speak to the big difference there. The big difference there is to be a parent and to be a listener and a validator and a normalizer. I visualize myself. I am out of the situation. I'm not getting involved in it. I'm yeah. not telling her what to do. I'm not even... Why? Because it's got nothing to do with it. And not only that, what happens if you 
get involved. Then she loses her support system. Right. Then I'm no longer available to help her through it because I am all I am a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, because what happens? Why that happens? That point that Todd made, where you start to get in and take sides and be mad at the kid and blame other people, is that you become a kid yourself. Right. You are in a parent role when they come to you, and all of a sudden you shrink down, or it's not even a shrink down. You go into child, mm-hmm. where the that ten year old or that twelve year old or that fifteen year old comes out, mm-hmm. and you start to focus on it from that old school perspective because right. you're still stuck in that time. Right. You know what I mean? Or you, I don't even want to say you're stuck because we all have those people who live inside of us. Every age we've been lives inside of us still. That's where consciousness comes in is when I realize my inner 13 year old is coming out when I'm talking to Todd or when I'm talking to my oldest about something, I have to be aware of that, that wait a second, I don't, I'm not really that mad or why am I that afraid or I don't want to say that. I have to stay in present time. Well, and the term that I think you just said, what we use all the time is, oh, I went back into child. Right. And can you expand on that a little well, bit? I kind of just did right. in the sense that every, every age that you, you've ever been still lives inside of you. And what I mean by that is it lives inside of you in a subconscious way, in an emotional way. It even lives in your tissues. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, a big saying that a lot of body workers use is your issues are in your tissues. Mm -hmm. And what that means is we still carry around traumas, challenges, worries, concerns that we had in our history. So when you go back into child, you go... You go back. You are to that in time. that place. Exactly. You, you no longer have the life lessons. You no longer have this mature perspective on something. You become thirteen. Right. This is why when we start fighting with somebody we love, um, and we start getting triggered in a way that maybe we got triggered in the past by a parent or an old boyfriend or an old friend or a sister, we start to fight that way with the person that we're dealing with in the present, we go back in time and we bring up those old defenses and those old tools and try to use them in present time and they don't make any sense. What about uh, if somebody were to say, yeah, but if you don't get in there and you don't have an alignment with your daughter or your son, then you're not supporting them? Um, Well, the alignment that you want to make with your child is not an align. It is out of alignment to get involved and start dividing and telling them who they should talk to and who's mean and who's not. That is out of alignment. Mm -hmm. Being in alignment is being grounded in yourself enough to understand that what your child, your child has their own life. This is the the Gibran thing. Your child is not yours. Mm -hmm. It is not a problem. They don't have issues that you need to get in there and solve. You are their parent Mm -hmm. and you are the person that they can come to and you can support them through it. Now, someone will say, well, what does that mean? Support them through it. Listen, allow them to process. Here's the thing that you have to trust about yourself and about your kids. They already know what to do. Mm-hmm. Now, they may not have it all figured out yet, but they have gut instincts. They have internal understanding. They have- And you have to uh, organically allow that process to take place. Like it may not be on the tip of their tongue to know how to treat somebody in a situation, but they have it inside of them. It's kind of like, and again, I know that this is easier for me to say because this is my professional training, but it's like being a therapist where you don't try and therapize and t- diagnose them. What you're doing is you're standing back and you're asking questions. Right. 
and you say, as a therapist, for those of you who have never been to a therapist, a therapist is not supposed to tell hand you, you to a bunch of things and tell you what to do. A therapist or a coach, their job is to help you hold, hold a space so you can talk through it and process it. It's your work. Mm-hmm. It's not the therapist's job Just like job it's your child's it. work. Exactly. Good, Todd. Thank you. It's your child's job to figure out what steps to take in their life. Because if I come in with problem-solving mode, what have they learned from that experience? That dad solves my problems. Right. And that if I have a problem, don't listen inside, go outside and ask other people. And what that turns into as they grow into adults is them not trusting their own instincts and thinking that everybody else has the answer. Wasn't there a time when like your car broke down in Chicago? Yes. And you called your dad? Yes, and it was hilarious. These are kind of the, talking about going into child. I was, it wasn't in Chicago. I think I was in college, but my, um, you know, I was driving along my car and it was like my freshman or sophomore, it must've been sophomore or junior year. And it broke down. And the first thing I did was go home and call my dad and say, dad, my car broke down. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and yeah. cause he lived in, he lived in DeKalb. I'm in Des Moines, Iowa. He's like, go get it fixed. Like, he's like, I can't do anything from here. And it was a very loving thing to say. It wasn't like- Were you mad at your dad when he said that? I felt- You didn't want to deal with it. What ended up happening is a tool that I had, which was go to my dad, go to my dad, was not was no longer in my hand. Right. But it was time right. for it not to be. Right. Meaning what he was trying to say is- you have the tools to do this. And he may not have said it in those ways, but he's like, Heavy, I'm here, you're there, go get it fixed. He empowered you. He did. And that's something that we can do. So you kind of empowered JC a little bit in this example. And just to, just to say, you don't have to wait till there are different times. We sometimes empower our kids and liberate them in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean we did something wrong when they're young, but we can always continue to liberate them in every situation. And I'm using the word liberate. Uh, because for those those of you probably know that Maya Angelou uh, passed away last uh, week, which was very shocking to me. I'm sure it was shocking to many people, but it was like I knew her age, but she's such a huge teacher. Plus you didn't hear she was sick, or at least I didn't. I didn't, I didn't know yeah. um, that she was sick or that she was in the hospital, but she was such a huge teacher to me and through the rest of the world. Um, and it was shocking, but one of my favorite quotes that she has is love liberates. And what she means by that is that love doesn't hold people and make sure that they do what the other person wants them to do. That's ego and that's holding, Mm. that's controlling. That's not love. Love liberates. Love says, I love you, so I trust that you can go do this. That's what we're trying to say to our children is they come to us with a challenge. We listen. We And you guys know what I mean by hold that space. We sit there. We handle it. We, we, pro, we deal with our own emotional reaction, meaning we breathe and don't get involved in that emotional way. Because once we start to get super emotional about it, not only do we lose touch with our present moment selves, but our kids start to say, ooh, dude, I don't want to deal with this. And they may not come to you next time. Well, what kids will often say, kids I work with all the time will say, well, I'm not going to go with my mom. I'm not going to go to my mom or dad about that. They'll have a worse reaction than me. Okay. So that's telling you that when they are challenged, they find your reaction more challenging than their challenge. So that's important to understand. Remember that part in Say Anything? where they're talking about going home late and what their the girl's tricks are to go in crying and that way dad doesn't never bother yeah, them. She's like, I just go in crying and then there's no questions. <laughs> and what's funny is Diane tells her dad Diane Court. everything, yeah. including her uh, relationship with Lloyd and how they had sex for the first time. And right. <laughs> 
Lloyd's like, you told, you told your, your dad? dad? Yeah, I remember that. She's like, you have um, what's in What other TV personality was a big fan of Maya Angelou, sweetie, that you that you really like to listen well, to? Well, it was basically Oprah's mother. I want to help you. Oh, What can I do? Oh, my God. Would you say, please welcome Liz Lemon? No. <laughs> That's my new Oprah drop. It's one of my favorite um, 30 Rocks ever. Mm. That was a beautiful combination of two things I love, Todd. Oprah... And 30 Rock. That's right. That's what I'm here for, sweetie. I, I have always been a huge Friends fan, and I still am. I'll, it'll always be in me, but I watch Friends all the time. But now my go-to is 30 Rock. That's right. It evolves. It, Every decade, you come up with a new show that you watch when you just don't want to think. Because before, it was Three's Company. you got to find Three's Company. Maybe I'll find it, and I'll close out the show with that. I want to talk about the the experience I had on Friday, but before I do that, I feel obligated to talk about our first partner, Dr. John Kelly. Obligated or thankful and grateful? Absolutely. I'm glad we got that figured out. <laughs> um, so he's um, a dentist, but um, among other things. And um, what he does is comprehensive dentistry. But he told me about this and he doesn't even have anything to do with this. I think this is one of his colleagues and they're doing a webinar. And the name of it is called Assessing the Risk Factors for Obstructive Sleep Apnea in Children. And that's just a lot of big words. But basically, it talks about the link between sleep disorder, breathing, school performance, and ADHD. Um, so it's a webinar. It's on June 10th at 8 o'clock. Um, PM gonna, or AM? It doesn't say, but okay. I assume it might Probably be PM. PM. Yeah. Uh, there's a discount code, PARENT, P-A-R-E-N-T. I think it's 60 bucks, but with the discount code, it's only 15 bucks. Wow. So I want to learn more about it. Um, so it just talks about the um, breathing patterns and how it affects your sleep and how- and how that relates to dentistry. Yes, and behavioral stuff and everything and else. And so like Todd said, he said this really doesn't have anything to do with Dr. Kelly, meaning Dr. Kelly's not profiting from this. He's not. But, but what he, the reason he sent it to us is he's like, here's some information about what I understand and what I do. Right. So, so it's- it's a very unselfish thing of yeah. Dr. Kelly to do. Um, so that is the deal. It'll be in our um, uh, show notes, which is on zenparentingradio.com slash 178. And we'll put it on our Facebook page too. Or email us at comments at zenparentingradio.com and we'll send it to you. So, um, But if you're interested in getting any dental work from Dr. John Kelly, he's at 5350 West Devon Avenue in Chicago. And his phone number is 773-631-6844. Um, can I tell my quick story? Yeah, go story? tell your story. I was golfing with um, three good friends on Friday, and one of the, it was me and Chris and Jerry and Jerry's dad. Mm -hmm. And um, I was having a conversation with them about uh, parenting, and I asked Jerry's dad what his best uh, moment is of parenting, and then his, you know, the one that he's least proud of. But the discussion went on, it talked about the idea of whether or not you should ever be a friend to your son. Actually, what you said to him was. Um, Jerry's a really great guy. That's how I started. What did you do as a parent? Right. right. I'm a big fan of Jerry. I think uh, my friend has a really outstanding perspective well, and on And just life. for anyone from DeKalb who listens, it's actually my friend. It's right. Jerry Evans. But Todd has become very good friends with Jerry. Right. So, and I've just always been in admiration of his perspective on yeah. life. He doesn't take things too seriously. He's always smiling. He's always cracking jokes, but he's also serious when you have to be. And I just a big fan. So I asked Jerry's dad, what did you do? And he said that his trick to parenting was knowing when to be his father and knowing when to be his friend. And I, that had a reaction in me, not good or bad, but I'm like, wow, I've always kind of thought you never want to be your children's friends. I think we used to think that. And I think a lot of it is 
definitions and parameters, definitions of what we're talking about. It's semantics. It's semantics. Thank you. I wouldn't say I'm going to be my daughter's friend. Right. But what I would say is I'm going to support her in ways that maybe other parents wouldn't be so supportive or something like that. And then, you know, when I want to be her quote unquote father, that's when you have to, you know, do boundaries and structure and all this other stuff. So, And a lot of people believe that you can't do both. And I think what Jerry Big was saying was that um, he understood that, of course, he's his father. Of course, he has to do the boundaries and limits and that kind of thing. But that it's just as important to make sure that Jerry know little Jerry, they're both named Jerry. That's why this is confusing. Little Jerry knows that he's heard, Mm -hmm. that his dad sees him, that his dad loves who he is, appreciates who he is. So that feels like a friendship thing. But again, it's semantics because let's take the word friend out of it so people don't freak out. Because a lot of people will say, well, you can't be your, you know, I'm not, I read so many blogs and articles about, you know, I would never be my kid's friend because they have have plenty of friends and I need to be their parent. True. Mm -hmm. But you can, again, flatten that hierarchy and not think that you are somehow better than them or what you have to say is more important than them and see them for who they are as an individual in their own right and that you can love them from that very, I I keep saying hierarchy. What's another word from that flat place? Yeah. From that very, I know, I got it. My friend Annie's books, she wrote Soul to Soul Parenting, and her new book is coming out too, um, which is, I think in the next couple months, it's going to be amazing. It's just kind of a continuation of understanding that instead of role to role, mm-hmm. we should live soul to soul. Right. Because in a role, as a parent, we think that we have to be. Yeah, my parenting role is I need to dictate and control and everything else. And we never break that pattern. Right. And so then, even when we want to be more supportive or more loving or more, you know, kind of, I'm saying this in quotes, like a more friendly, mm. we feel like we can't because then our role will be shattered. Right. And if we meet our children from a soul perspective, but still understand that that doesn't mean we let go of what our job is. Right as a parent, then we can see them and hear them. And I think that lends really well to the beginning conversation I was talking about with JC is that's exactly what I'm doing. Not only am I trying to listen to her, but I'm actually sharing my own experience, right. not in a, here's what I do, do it my way, right. but in a, I've had a similar experience. It sucks, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. That's all they want to hear. Yeah. I mean, I know when I go to Todd um, with my issues that I have and he starts to fix it. I, I actually said to him, this was about a month or two ago, but we were having a discussion and he kept trying to fix it. And I said, will you just tell me you've been here before? That's mm-hmm. all I wanted to hear. Just tell me that I'm going to be okay. Not in a you're going to make me okay, but that we'll get, this too shall pass and that you've felt this way before. That's all I need to hear. Right. And I think sometimes um, as a man, I choose not to be vul- vulnerable. And I'm saying that some of my own work that yes. I need to work through. Because if you, ha- if you somehow if, say, I felt that way, then you're sh- showing a part of yourself you may not typically show. Or maybe I feel like I won't be able to be problem-solving guy, next time you need a problem-solver, whatever it is. Right. Which I don't is know. role. Right. You're you're thinking that you're somehow one-dimensional. Right. And that you can't be... No, I'm at least two. You're at least two. You know, I Maybe saw... Maybe three. <laughs> to bring in another wonderful uh, resource here, for those of you who have seen Brene Brown's TED Talks, and you know we've talked about her on the show a lot and all of her research, one of the things she talks about in... I think it's... I can't remember if it's her first TED Talk or her second, but she talks about how... She's like, hasn't everyone who's given a talk tonight on this stage been amazing? Mm. 
And she said the thing that everybody in the, on this uh, stage ha- has in common is their ability to be vulnerable, not just by giving a talk, but by sharing their failures, yeah. their challenges. Their you know people go up there and say, "I am mentally ill, and here's what I've dealt with," or "I hurt someone, and here's what I dealt with." Ooh, that or, uh, kid who's suicidal. Yes. I don't oh my know gosh, what that, that kid's kid. Name. He's yeah. so amazing. He's like, "Here's my issues, and this is what I've dealt with," and and she said, "And we fall in love with them because they become real." Yeah. And we listen to them because we know they're telling us the truth. And they're telling us something that we recognize in, in ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. Beautiful. And like Sean Acor was on um, Oprah yesterday. It was a continuation of his Super Soul Sunday from the weekend before. He's in the building! <laughs> oh, I don't know if that'll ever get old to me. That's funny. So he, it was a continuation of his discussion from the week before. And I'm actually reading his book now and it's wonderful. But he talks about happiness. And one of the things that, okay, here he is. He's a researcher on happiness. He is the happiness expert. He spent yesterday talking about his depression. Right. And that is about so vulnerability. valuable because how do you know happiness unless you've understood depression? Well, in our um, non-conscious perspective is uh, I'm going to be a non-conscious person right now. Okay. Why would I want to read a book about happiness from a guy <laughs> who suffers from depression? Right. That, and that's someone's defense mechanism, right. fear, and saying, like, I, I don't need it. Like, I would anything. want to, to read a book about happiness about somebody who's never been sad. Right. But what you're saying is it's the opposite. What I'm saying is the reason that I... So professionally, I can say, okay, here's what I've done professionally. I've gone to school here, done this, had this experience, and I share that with you. But you want to know why I understand, or for me, I understand these mindfulness tips and these tools and the happiness thing is because I have, and I'm speaking for myself, I'm not making this up, I have been depressed Mm -hmm. and I know what has worked for me and I know what hasn't worked and I know what my breakthroughs have been and why and I know what has gotten me to the breakthroughs. Your road is not going to be like mine and my road's not going to be like Todd's and my road won't be as exactly like my daughter's. But I feel a lot more confident in talking about these things because I'm not reading them in a book. Right. I've experienced life this. experience. So not only have I gone out and worked with other people and like worked helped them work through their stuff, but I personally have been in dark places. Right. And so that I think adds more value. These are not things that I'm ashamed of right. anymore. Right. There was a time. Well, when you were in it, you were probably had some. I don't know, anxiety about it or whatever. I did. And I remember- And you wouldn't want to expose yourself during those times. Exactly. And that is valuable because in that time where you don't have your grounding, the last thing you want to do is tell everybody about it because you don't have the, you can't see beyond it. When I was struggling, who did I tell? You. Mm -hmm. And I had someone that I was working with. And it wasn't just one time in my life. I struggled in college. I struggled in my 20s. I think that's life. That's not anything, you know, there's been times when I've needed support who hasn't um but i think the thing that's important is i lost what i was gonna say what did i say right before you said that something really good i know something very profound well regardless what the important thing is is that i can speak about it from a place of authenticity and i'm not saying that you can't talk about depression if you haven't had it i don't wish that on you but the thing is is you can talk about challenges or grief, it's a lot easier to be compassionate for other people when you understand that feeling. Right. And if you've had those experiences and you've repressed them and pushed them down because you're afraid people will find that out about you, right. those pieces of you are what make you real. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. That is what makes us who we are. And that when people are pretending that they have their 
I was going to swear, but their act together mm-hmm. and that they've never done this wrong or never done that. It's so transparent to me yeah, because they protest too much. Right. It's like, why are you so afraid? It's much easier to say, oh, yeah, it dealt with that. Just or, admit it. Exactly. And then that gives us the, the ability to also talk about the wonderful things that we've been able to do and experience. It's not about always focusing on our challenges. It's mm. both. It's balance. Well, and getting back to Jerry, um, he had his best man. And his wedding was who? His dad. His dad. And I have another buddy, Casey. His dad was his best man, And too. how did that come to be? Uh, well, I think... I don't mean literally like how they ask him. I mean, why do you think that happened? I think Casey did it because... Well, I, I would say Casey's dad's a younger guy, too. But um, they he was a victim of a divorce. And a victim. A victim. Well, I made, <laughs> he was... Tells he, you something right. about my, <laughs> your, my reality. Your subconscious. Well, they you are victims. It's You are a victim of a divorce. You're, a divorce right. happened and, right. and you have to suffer the consequences. You're right. Um, but anyways, um, I think that had a lot to do with it. Like, you know, he, I think he even lived with his dad after the divorce, oh, okay. which is different. Uh huh. Um, so, and I don't know about Jerry, you'd have to tell me about Not that. Not as typical. Well, I don't really know. I mean, they could only speak for themselves, but everything that Jerry's dad said, I mean, he maintained a really, he cared for him in a way beyond the role of parenting. Yeah. And they, as they, as Jerry became an adult, they connect on a lot of the, now they are friends. He's well, still yeah. his parents, but the now thing. they are friends. They, now they are like, you know, I'm sure if they had a, if Jerry Jr. had a problem and wanted to confide in his dad for help, I'm sure he would, but they are friends in the best ways now. My question is, am I going to be friends with my daughters like that? Well, here's the thing is I think when we, one of the uh, visual activities or, um, not visual activities. What's it called? Visualization activities. Todd and I were out late this weekend. Yeah. I'm tired. It was a long weekend. It was a long weekend in the best way. Getting it was fun. Getting the cobwebs out. <laughs> we are. But visualization activities that I have people do um, when they're thinking about their children is looking looking forward, like sit and have a visual of what you want your relationship with your child to look like 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you know, most parents will see your biting your nails a lot into the- But I'm not clicking it. You are clicking. I'm biting my hangnails. I'm not biting my actual nails. Okay. Um, is what they will see is like, especially because I usually work with women, oh, I want to be sitting at a restaurant with my daughter and laughing or my son. I want to like, you that know, have him be telling good. me things and we're sharing experiences and I'm at their house. Well, that kind of relationship starts now. It's not something where we yell at our kids all the time and scream at and them. And then when they're 24, you're like, you decide to turn a switch and saying, okay, friends. let's be friends. It doesn't work that way. Right. We're developing a relationship every single day. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean we're going to do it perfectly. Please hear me. There's going to be challenges along the way and we're going to have missteps and hard times. But it's not about waiting till they're 20 to actually relate to them in a soul to soul way. Right. You're developing that as they grow up and it, and it naturally happens it you can maintain the kind of connection or you can create the kind of connection you want with them later in life now and that doesn't mean you're giving up your responsibility as a parent my girls are very clear that i am their parent yes. there's no you know it's there's not something where i'm like i here's here's the thing is a lot of moms or dads will play the role of I want to be the cool person. Yeah. I'm going to be cool with everything. I'm going to let them do things. I'm going to buy them things. That is not the role I play in my girl's life. Right. First of all, because that's not the role I play in my own life. I don't think, I don't find any value in that kind of thing. But it is understanding that I am their mom, 
first and foremost, but when they are challenged, I am a person who has, like I always say to the fifth grade girls, I've been in fifth grade too. Right. I can relate. I can't relate to everything you're going through, but I can understand. You were there. I was there. Yeah. And that's the same thing with my girls is I want them to understand I'm a person. Right. And that when they're challenged, there's no reason to be afraid of talking to me mm-hmm. because I will not come after them. I will not hold it against them. I will not use it as some kind of tool to make them feel ashamed. And I don't think any of us would do that consciously. But unfortunately, sometimes that happens. And you got to create some space and give yourself the opportunity to become self-aware in that you can recognize these things. Yes. And that's that's work. It's a lot of work because we're too busy and we're doing 85 different things at once. And But here's the very cliche thing that people say, but it's true. You either do the work now and you do it on a daily basis and a moment-to-moment basis and make it a priority. Or when relationships fall apart, when you get older, you figure out how to piece them back together. Yeah. And so I would much If you're prefer, lucky. Yes, if you're lucky. And and they don't always fall apart in the worst way, but they're no, not it, as connected. Well, it's not a deep relationship. Yeah, you feel like, you know, I will say, <laughs> you know, this is when we're doing sex ed talks. You and I talk to parents about talking to their kids about sex. And they'll say, well, they're, you know, they're not always this... Um, separated from it. But a lot of times they'll say they'll learn it from their peers or they'll know I'll understand. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids, my kids will come to me. They'll know I understand. I'm like, well, have you told them that? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, no, but I'm sure they understand, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, Did, would you have gone to your mom about these things? And when they, these adult people who are our age reflect on that, they're like, I would have never gone to my parents. So why is that? Process through that. Why wouldn't you have gone to your parents? What would you have felt? And you want to make a shift then now, now, in the way you're parenting your child, yeah. that's the evolution of parenting right. is let's not do it exactly the way it was done before. Right. Let's make it so we can be more connected. There you go. Okay. Nice job. Thank you. Um, so our second partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Dr. Kelly has that workshop, Raising a Stress-Free Family in a Stressed Out World. It's on June 10th at 10, 15 in the morning. Um, we'll have it in our show notes, show notes if you want to uh, reserve your seat because it is limited. Um, and that's Dr. Kelly at Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, and their number is 630-941-8733. So uh, once again, my great big topic is going to get pushed aside for oh, next week. we don't week. have time? Well, we're 37 minutes in, uh, so I don't want to It was a. It is a great topic. It. Can and we at least make a commitment to do it next week? You betcha. Well, because I don't think it's going away. No, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, so then our last partner is Avid Company, 630-956-1800, painting and remodeling all over the Chicagoland area. Um, and then what else? Oh, I wanted to – oh, our reviews. We got a few nice reviews from – I don't want to say their last names because they may not want me to do it, but Heather and Sheila both gave us five stars. Thank you. Um, Sheila said it's the best parenting podcast ever. Oh, that's nice. Thanks, Sheila. And then love it uh, from Heather. Thank, Thank you. you Heather. So help us out and give us a review on iTunes. And then um, we always try to do some type of call to action at the end of any show. And one thing, first of all, we're going to do some Throwback Thursday ideas on Facebook. Yeah. So th- uh, for those of you on Facebook, Thursday is considered TB2, Throwback through B- TB2. That's um, that's Taco Burrito Palace. That's the wrong <laughs> thing. <laughs> See, I was out this weekend. Um, TB- TBT, TBT is Throwback Thursday, which means you put up an old picture or whatever. So Todd and I, we started last week. We're going to put up an old show. Yeah. And we're going to you know tease it with something interesting. But uh, what you can do from a call to action standpoint, if you don't feel like giving us a review, you can always share 
the by far the best way for to help us to grow our listenership is for you to share our shows on the Facebook thing. So um, it goes a long way. What is it? What is the best thing they can do? Share it. They see it on Facebook. Share it and on their page. And they share it on their page. Got it. Yeah. And that's what gets the most. Um, well, it exposes us to you know thou- you know ten people share it and they each have a hundred friends. It. That's a thousand people well, it's reaching. And since we're talking about this, if you guys you probably know that on Facebook now, uh, Facebook pages like business pages do not get the kind of right. Um, you, we very rarely show up in your news feeds anymore unless you go over that notifications. Mm-hmm. Um, you put your mouse over that notifications thing and say that you want us in your news feed. Yeah. So if you do that on the Zen Parenting Radio page, and if you haven't liked our BU Inc. page, mm-hmm. please do because we put basically. The the same kind of stuff there, but we focus more on our company, on right. BU and what we're doing with the kids and adults. Um, but, you know, do that. And so we'll end up in your newsfeed because we used to reach like a thousand people and now we'll put a post and it'll reach like 160. Yeah. And that's just a, that's just the way Facebook is going right now. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be forever. I think it's their way of trying to make money. Because then we have to boost a post, <clears> which <throat> I don't know. I just don't know about that. I do it for when we do a retreat. So that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, anything else, sweetie? Uh, I don't think so, but um, I'm glad we got to talk about the internal external. And I, um, that's it. That's, you, weren't you going to play my... Yeah, but I can't find it. You can't find Three's Company? Well, I could, but it might have a commercial. What about Jack? He fell down a lot. He did fall down, <laughs> and they acted as the credits were rolling a lot. Yeah, they did, but they overacted they as over-acted. the credits were rolling. Yeah. And I never liked Cindy. No. What about Terry? I liked Terry. She and Jack were mad at the beginning. What about Christmas Snow and her tight sweaters? Well, Chrissy was the original, you know? She's the original. But I love Three's Company. Okay. That's all I got. Keep keep trucking. (laughs) Have a good week. Adios.